Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. We're back. We uh, missed a couple of games on the men's side, and we missed a bunch of games on the women's side. But uh, with me tonight, Melissa and Luis, and uh, we're ready to talk both Chivas men's and feminine tonight. What's up? Yeah, what's up, guys? Feels like forever. <laughs> it does. It's all these international breaks, and then and then life gets in the way. It's just too much. <laughs> Yeah, then there's another freaking uh, international break coming for the men now. Another two weeks off. I know, I asked you when, when the Ligia started. You said two weeks, I was like, what? Yeah, the 21st. For, at least for Chivas. I think I think it's the 21st and the 22nd. Yeah, shout out to Flo. He said in the group chat, he's like, you can get COVID and come back. <laughs> and still be fine. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. Do your partying today, and then you'll be good for the Ligia. <laughs> uh, Melissa, is there like a... Um, What's it called? Like a mandatory quarantine when you come back to Mexico? Like for the Chivas players that went to Austria? I doubt it. Wait, sorry, is it my roommate's dog is, is crying here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you ask? Sorry? If if there's like a like you know, some countries when you when you enter the country you have the quarantine for two weeks, is Mexico doing that? Because I know um in the Discord some fans were asking because um Antuna and uh Sepulveda traveled with the uh national team to Austria. So when they come back, they were like, are they going to have to quarantine for two weeks or can they play Liguilla with us? Yeah, I don't think there's a mandatory quarantine, but I mean, I'm guessing also that the team is not going to to risk anything and they're probably just going to isolate them until they get them tested or something. But yeah, I don't think that there's like a mandatory like quarantine for people traveling, but not exactly sure. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that was like a, a question in Discord. And I was like, actually, I have no idea because I was looking it up on the the U.S. Mexican Embassy page, and mm-hmm. I think they have like they suggest you quarantine for two weeks, but it's not. I don't think it's mandatory by uh, Mexican yeah, government. Yeah, I, I don't think you can enforce it. I don't think there's a real way of enforcing it or like keeping up with it. But they do. They do. Uh, like you said, they they suggest it. But a uh, uh, but an actual soccer team, I would assume that they would want to take the proper protocol. Yeah, I just I assume, assume, like Melissa said, they'll just test them like right away right. And, and hopefully come back negative. Yeah, uh, they're probably going to like call them like apart for a few days, yeah. just in case. Yeah, they'll probably do like back to back testing, like two days consecutively. See what. Hope that they're both negative. Yeah, definitely. We definitely need Antuna because we'll we'll get into it. But um, Luis, I feel like every time we record a podcast, no matter what, news breaks the next day, and like it happened yeah. again. The last pod we had a. This was v- really bad news. <laughs> this was really bad news. Yeah, the the Dieter Villalpando. Um, he was accused of uh, sexual assault and uh, suspended from the team. I think after the Atlas game, or between the Atlas game and the Pumas game, apparently Chivas players were partying in the middle of a quarantine, so that's already bad. And then, um, you know, Dieter Villalpando is accused of sexual assault, and uh, other Chivas players that were there were Alexis Peña, uh, Chopis, and uh, Gallito Vasquez, and those players have also now been... Uh, suspended from the team and they are officially listed as uh, transferable and uh, Belaya said it himself he said they will never play for Chivas again and in the press conference well not the press conference but they had like a video release um, Amaury also uh, made it clear that um, going forward there's going to be a zero tolerance policy for off-field uh, disciplinary issues and he also um, denounced like all violence against women and you know they made examples of of Dieter and then I guess uh, Peña, Chofis and Gallito also had to suffer the consequences. 
was uh was the girl a minor? I don't know. There's a lot of rumors back and forth. It's, I never really kept up with it. Yeah, I don't. It's unclear. Like the day of, they were saying it was a minor, and then the next day they were saying it wasn't. But um, I'm not like 100 percent sure on that. Not that it would matter, regardless. Yeah. Any type of sexual assault on a on a female. I mean, the, the team took the right stand. It's zero tolerance. Definitely. Uh, it's very. It's an unfortunate situation for all parties involved. Uh, and then the other three players that were there, I could see why they they got added into like the whole they're off suspended off the team. Because we've talked about this like with when the Antuna and Vega happened. Like at mm-hmm. that time, it was like, well, is, is it in the rules? Is it this and that? And those players got in trouble for it. So it's like the fact that you guys are still partying, still doing it before games. It's like you guys just don't learn your lesson, and then that's separate from the Vialbando case. That's completely different. Um, it's a very unfortunate situation, very sad situation to be honest for all those players and for the for the female that was involved as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I mean the stakes were like even higher because, like you said, there were already like all these indisciplines happening, and then just that it escalated into ended in ending in like a legal problem right. that kind of make made it all worse. And, and I mean, there's also like the fact that the the Renate Barra situation happened this year. And like right. all the discussion that that went off from that, so I think that also, um, not that that regardless of of what happened with Ibarra, but it kind of added pressure from people to see like, okay, so how how is Chivas going to to react to this? Like because we already had like a like a a case of, of gender violence, and how are they going to do now going forward with this? And and I mean it's also like consistent with what with what Amaury has been doing because. He's kind of been like really invested in the women's team, and then when the women's strike happened uh, in March, like they were one of the first clubs to to support that, and he's kind of been like always very vocal about like supporting women and women's rights. So it it makes sense, and I guess like also the video and him doing that and taking like a really strong stance, it doesn't feel forced because it's consistent with with what he's been doing. So I mean, it also kind of falls in line with that. With that uh-huh. and with what they were were saying that they were going to to ask the the team to be as disciplined as possible and I mean like even Molina had said like I'm going to respond for the team if if something else happens and then this goes goes off and it's like well then what also what is Molina going to do now? <laughs> no, it's uh, and I just want to hold on. I just want to speak specifically about Chofi because you guys know I'm a big Chofi fan and if Rigo was here he would say the same thing and it's. It was it was it was disappointing when when the news broke that he was at the party or whatever was whatever happened he was there he was around it because it's like man how many how many times do they have to explain to you or tell you you know just to take your job serious to take your profession serious is like why why would you put yourself in these situations it's like you came back from the quarantine from the yeah from the quarantine to restart the season you came back overweight. Uh, constantly in the news about partying and drinking. When news breaks, you, you you try to say that it's not true or that you weren't you weren't there. And then the, the reality is he was there. So it's just for trophies, it's a very sad situation and it's a sad ending. Uh, and it should be a wake up call. I hope it's a wake up call to all the young players in the Fuerza Basicas to take your job serious. And I think it's I think uh, Fernando Beltran spoke about that in an interview where he said that that's one of the things that Matias Almeida told him when he was there. It's take your, your, your job serious because you never know when it can be taken away from you. Yeah, it's an uh, you know, unfortunate situation all around. And, um, you know, I know we're Chelsea fans and 
a lot of fans kind of had given up on him, but now it's like official. Like you, you're either gonna give up on him because you wanted to, or you have no choice now. Yeah, we can't can't stand behind. Well, just because we don't know if he was involved in the Vietnam situation, but we can't stand behind the constant, constant disciplinary action. And then the Vialpando situation, Melissa brought up the Renato Ibarra situation. Yeah. It happened on America in the, in the offseason. Atlas takes them, brings them in like nothing. Sure, you have some people in the media criticize it. Uh, but I don't know if it ever really got like the serious attention that it should have gotten. Like Atlas should have really been like sponsors should have been should have been involved and, and told them, hey, what the hell are you doing here? This is a serious situation against a female. Um so I wonder if, like, if that speaks to like a bigger issue in the country, uh, where there's like that machismo and um, and maybe they don't look at I don't know how, I don't know how to word it correctly. Um, 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 maybe they don't look at like those situations as that serious. It could be older men who come from a different generation, and they don't look at, and it could be a bigger problem. Um, so I'm glad that Amaury Vergara took the 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 stance that he did with because it's, it's it should be zero tolerance all around the league and when the, the Renato Ibarra thing happened the league should have gotten involved and say hey this shouldn't happen you shouldn't be able to sign a player that's involved in that type of situation and when you when you do allow that type of signing uh then you're giving I don't I'm not saying they're giving the okay that it's okay for that stuff to happen but it just doesn't look right yeah it, it comes off like it, it, at the end of the day it's all about the money like they don't want to cut the player because you know they don't want to eat the contract they don't want to slap in the wrist yeah they don't want to eat the potential uh transfer wage or whatever but um i mean she wasn't setting a precedent now you know they they have a zero tolerance uh zero tolerance policy and going forward i think you know any clubs that have players that are involved in any anything like that now it's gonna be like well you kind of have to kick the player out and cut him because you know the precedent was set by chivas and i think for the league, I think it's going to be a good thing going forward. Yeah, I mean, I was reading um, an article about how, like, last year, the like the, the government institute for like for the rights of women, they asked the federation, like, look, we we can like cooperate with you and and try to to also like address that that issue from from the league side, and the league didn't like the the federation didn't accept it. So I mean, it's obviously part of, of a larger issue in, in society, in Mexican society. And I don't know, I mean, hopefully this will finally push like the league and the federation to say, okay, we, we need to step in and and try to try to prevent and to address the issues when they when they arise, right? Because they can't just keep like reacting, oh so so this happened, okay, punishment. Oh so this happened, okay, punishment. So it's about like how what mechanisms are we setting like to make sure that the players don't like don't resort to, to violence against women. Like what what are we doing to prevent this instead of just like reacting every time it happens? Yeah, there was also I don't know if you guys have kept up with it recently in the news. I don't know if you remember the jo- Joel Malik situation, the where he was yeah. drunk and killed two people. Um I just read in the news, like I wanna say within the past couple of weeks that he got sentenced to I don't know if it was life in prison or what it was, but he got sentenced to prison. But if he pays a certain fine or, or if he pays a certain amount to the family that he could be freed. Uh, and that speaks to like the, like what I was saying, it's, they're just slap on the wrist. I don't know if it's the professionals. I don't know what it is, but there's, these are things that have to be addressed way more serious than what they're, than what they're, they are. 
Yeah, because Santos kept a working relationship with him. Like, he was still registered and everything. They registered so, him after. Yeah, I mean... After it happened, they registered so him. So, that's kind of like if your club's preaching ethics and values, and then you go and do that. I mean, it's one thing to, to maybe say, okay, like, we're going to, to try and support our player. Like, we are going to, I don't know, maybe try and give him therapy while, while he's going through this or whatever. Right. But, like... This feels like oh we're just waiting for this to blow over and like we know we can profit from you so so like let's, let's just wait. That's a great way to put it. It's waiting for it to blow over because sooner or later something else is going to come in the news and people will forget about it. That's just the way things are in society. Yeah, and I mean even media like I, I saw like this tweet from a, a journalist saying like oh I wouldn't see like these kinds of problems happening at America. Like I mean come on dude like this is not a contest. To see like which right. is morally better, like this, this is a serious issue, and like we're not going to to make a contest about my club is better than yours just because you haven't gotten any issues with, with this. Like I mean, it's it's a kind of crazy that that people want to to turn it into that. Like like this is a contest, and my club is better than yours because no no player in my club has been caught beating a woman or whatever. I mean that's kind of like really sick to see. And especially from media, I mean, I, I understand the fans uh, fall into that, but like from someone in the media who has certain responsibility to the platform they have, it's kind of like off-putting to see. Yes, this is not, like you said, it's not, this isn't even really even soccer related. It just involves the soccer player. This is a bigger situation in society. Um, so it should have nothing to do with America, Chivas, or nothing, anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um... I don't know how to transition out of this without. <laughs> but, um, alright, so that happened before the Chivas Pumas game. Um, you know, and going into it, it kind of didn't, like, I didn't really care, like, how is that going to affect the team? Because it's like, deserve whatever happened to you, you deserved it. So, but, um, I, at least I didn't watch that game. Um, you caught more of it. I kind of watched it. I don't know if you watched the whole thing, Melissa. She was mm, I can't like I, I can't remember. I think I just watched like bits of it. Yeah, me too. I think it was just bad. I don't remember it too. I think it was just bad. It was a two-two <laughs> tie. Um, There's probably a good reason why we don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> right. A, I don't really remember it to be honest. I feel like I told you like it was a terrible game. Like we scored, but it was terrible. Yeah, I went. Um, it was my friend's birthday, so we get we we've been getting together like once a month, me and my friends, because because oh. of COVID or whatever. So I was having a few drinks, and then I remember I like I had the I even tweeted out I think from the account, I tweeted out the the goal of uh, the second Chivas goal, but I captioned it like Mieta scored it, and then like two hours later, like once I was, uh, once I had some water and stuff, I realized it was Molina that scored, and I just deleted the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoops. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Pumas is, uh, what, second seed in the, in the league now? Going to Ligia, so a two, a two-two tie against them, and, you know, they bottled the lead, but I, I, I've heard that, uh, Chivas put up a decent performance and looked okay against them. And from, like, the extended highlight videos, they could have won the game, from what I saw. I don't remember it, to be honest. I don't, I might have not even watched it, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> There might have been boxing on or something. I don't remember. I think there was boxing on that night. There was something on. But um, I know. Well, we can move on to the game that we did watch. The most recent game. Uh, Chivas beat Rayados 3-1. 
Um, Melissa, did Feminil be Feminil be Rayadas four one, right? Uh, four two. Four two. Okay, I was gonna say they had the same score, but definitely not. Um, Chivas beat Rayados three one. Goals from uh, Chelo Saldivar, who I'm glad I'm glad he scored. Happy for him. Vega and then uh, Angulo had a, the third goal. But um, overall from that game, I thought Chivas had no business winning the game. Um, <laughs> Monterrey <laughs> fell apart in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I was talking to my dad and I, he missed the game, but he was watching the highlights. As we were ta- and we were talking, and I was like, I was pay attention to what minute we score the first goal. And then he was like, because he knew we won, and then he's watching the highlights, and it's the 80th minute. He's like, we won 3-1? He's like, when? And then it's like, boom, goal, and then another goal, and then another goal. It's like, she was just out of nowhere, kind of stole the game from Monterrey. Yeah, well, no, we didn't deserve to win that game. One, we came out with a defensive formation. We came out with five in the back, oh, yeah. and it didn't work at all. Like, we weren't even competitive in the first half. Uh, I think I remember like one shot from Vega. Um, it, we literally created nothing. I I I think I tweeted. I was like, I hope, I hope the one takeaway is that who's the teacher watching at home on his TV, and that he'll be able to realize that this five in the back formation just doesn't work. And and I I wanna I wanna say I don't wanna criticize him for putting the five in the back because I, I may kind of understand his his thinking might have been we're going we're Ligia is about to start. Let's see if a defensive formation does work against a good team. And it didn't work at all. It was it was bad. I mean, it worked that that they scored on I the set mean, piece, so like they they weren't really that. Create, yeah, but that's the thing though. Like, if you want to maintain a score, right. it, it might work in the Liguilla, but offensively, okay, it proved it. If it proved we're winning, nothing. maybe yeah. If, if you're winning, winning maybe switch and you right. want to hold the lead. It, that that could work, but if you, if you need to go win the game, yeah, that, yeah. That, that 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 wasn't it. That provided nothing. Um. If anything, Sepulveda is the one that benefits most from it because he kind of has uh, Brisenga playing behind him. So he covers up mistakes he makes uh, positionally, even though he didn't have like a terrible game. No, nah, he, like, I don't know, man. That first half was so bad to me. <laughs> like, I don't think you can have a five in the back. And then Chapo and Pons, it's just super defensive. It's just Molina in the midfield. Beltran's not even a creative midfielder, like, to be creating, like, any type of offense. So you were really just relying on who was it? Antuna, Vega, and Brizuela. You were literally relying on three guys. Yeah, it didn't. Chivas didn't like look like they had a uh, any business being in the game until uh, they switched from the five to the four man back line. They actually yeah. played Thiba at right back, which was surprising. Yeah, that was scary. I'm not gonna lie. He did all right. <laughs> he didn't do anything bad. Like he didn't mess up. No, I'm saying it was scary though. So yeah, to, like you were waiting yeah. for it. I was waiting yeah. for it. And then he putting Angulo like in that second defensive mid option or second center mid option I guess. Kinda of, I kinda of like that. Yeah, it kinda of gave the team I mean his speed and like the way he plays is very aggressive. It kinda of gave the team the energy it needed. Um I wouldn't say we won the game though because like we just started playing beautifully all of a sudden. Nah, I'd say it had to do a lot more with effort. Especially like Vega and Antuna and those guys. The effort that they give that won the game. Well I mean that first cello goal is all effort I feel like they I don't know how he headed that ball. Like he twisted like his whole body in midair and to get the header in, and um, you know, just goes to show that Cello kind of. I don't know. I feel like he fixed the system that we have because Macias just isn't cutting it, and uh, we we didn't really miss him when he was gone these last two weeks because he picked up that injury. I didn't even know he was gone. That's all you. That's all <laughs> used to him not doing anything. I'm just so used to him not doing anything. I was like, 
I just assumed he was playing. <laughs> and then, like, Tom Marshall tweeted today, like, this boosts Chivas and nobody agreed. With <laughs> yeah, nobody agreed with him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sad, man. It's a sad situation. Like, we can joke about it, but how this player that at Leon was close to paying, but 14 million. And now it's like, we don't, it's not that we don't want him. He hasn't done enough to show us that he should be playing. I just don't get why he doesn't fit into the system. Like at times, like throughout the season that we've been watching him play, like it looks like he just wants to do everything on his own. Like he doesn't want to give the easy pass, the one to like, I don't know if he just wants to score goals so that scouts watch him and come by him, but the way you're playing, the way he's been playing, it's like that's not attractive, I think, to scouts. I like I like Bagel more. Maybe there can be like a parallel a bit there with Licha from the women's team. Yeah. Like Licha was also is also having like maybe like a, a bit of a dry spell. Like she's not scoring. But like you see her attitude and her attitude is like giving it all for the team. I mean, if she yeah. has to pass to her teammate, she passes. If she can finish, then she, she tries to. But, like, even with with the penalty kick, that it was, like, for a 5-0, and then everybody was asking, like, what, why didn't she get it? Because right. she's, like, not that good mm-hmm. at penalties. And, mm-hmm. like, everybody said, like, this is for the team. So if we need to improve our goal difference, like, we need to get the best person who can convert that that PK instead of thinking we all need to push Licha for the for the golden boot race. So I mean I think that there's kind of like an interesting parallel there in terms of of there are both like maybe strikers that aren't going through their best form, but their approach to helping the team is like very different. Right. When when I would watch her play, I, to me she seemed more similar to the way Alexis Vega because Alexis Vega gives you that effort and he tries like his hardest. He doesn't give up on any plays. Uh, I believe one of the goals, was it, did he score it or was it the, I forgot what it was, but there was a play where it was just all effort by Alexis Vega. And that's when I think of Licha, like, Licha is that type of player. She gives you the effort. That's the one thing you know you're going to get. She's going to make the passes and run down the wing and help the team in any way she can. Where, uh, where JJ Macias just disappears. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Like, you won't think he's playing. Like, you notice Licha even, like, off the ball. And, like, Macias, I don't notice him off the ball. Like, he hasn't. I don't know. Maybe we're being too critical, but it's just not there. And then, like Cello, Cello helped. Like Cello he should be did his position. Like Cello did his job. He uh, helped hold play. He uh, scored a goal. Drew defenders. Like you know, and it was in what like thirty, like twenty five minutes. Maybe he got on a Saturday night. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying Cello's the option though. <laughs> No, but I think he he's a canterano, so, like, there's, you know, we always talk about, like, they, they don't feel the jersey or whatever. They don't play the jersey. Yeah, but this guy went to Leon and kissed the bag. Like, <laughs> how much yeah, do I... Yeah, doesn't Macias even have, like, a photo with, with, with like, one of the Chivas legends or something? Macias? I'm sure he does. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But, but there's just something missing from Macias. And, I, and I, I've watched them, and I just can't. I don't get it. I've said it before. I've watched. I went back and watched all his goals at Leon, and I, I just some of the goals he misses here, he never missed at Leon. So it just doesn't make sense to me. So when he when when that video like was online, I don't know if he at the time he was at Leon or he was coming back to Chivas, where he was like, oh, like there's no pressure at Chivas. I don't yeah. feel any pressure. 
I don't know, man. It sure, he plays like there's a lot of pressure on him wearing the Chivas jersey. Or maybe it's the Europe pressure, the pressure of he wants to move to Europe so bad that, that he's letting that get to him. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that right now, um, JJ is not a good fit for Chivas, and Chivas is not a good fit for him. So, I mean, it's kind of like just going around in circles with, with the same thing, and it's like it's just not working for him or for the team, so... Yeah, and I don't think, like, I'm not one of those people that thinks he needs to be here next season. I think Chivas has a lot of talent. Alexis Vega can play striker. That, hey, if you can swap him for another player or if you can get money for him, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't think he's, like, a must-keep player. At least I'm not, I haven't seen it from that way during his time here. Yeah, unless he, like, comes back against Nakaxa and scores, like, a break or something, I don't, I don't think we need like I'll, I'll take him, but I don't think he's like a crucial part. Like something, something to build around. Like I know right. in the Discord the other night we were talking about like the Chivas roster and who was like a must keep going into next season, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people were throwing Masias in there. Like a couple, yeah, but like, I would put a lot. were like we don't really need him. I get the money, especially up front. I would put Vega. I would put Antuna as like must keep starters. And then you can bring in Angulo off the... I don't know where he fits. He's finding his role. Um, damn, I don't see Macias as a must-keep. Yeah, I think Nene was the other one that was like a must-keep. Iramier. Right. But besides Chico that... <laughs> if he'll ever start again. Bon- Ponce. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You look, see what we gotta go through, Melissa. Pon- <laughs> look, you know I mean, what Ponce? All, I mean, all he does. have to keep Ponce because he never gets injured. Exactly, <laughs> and he respects so, I mean, the club. Like never involved in anything negative. All he does is post healthy meals on Instagram, <laughs> inspiring. He's a good role model. <laughs> He's a good role model. That's what we need. I think Odeba's a must keep, isn't his contract's a must keep. There's no way of getting rid of him. He he, yeah, said, he threatened yeah. to, to, to see his contract out. Like he has one year left, and it sounded more like a threat than like a promise or something. <laughs> So. Yeah, he's saying he's not leaving. He's gonna cash out that last. Uh, what is he getting? Like two million a season, I think. Shit, I would too. Wow. You wouldn't? I mean, we hate him, but I, I mean, yeah, him, I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I can almost respect him. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's not his fault that Chivas was stupid enough to do it. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, I can't. I can't hate him for it. But that was who? That was Igueta, right? Yeah. I heard something that like Puma was paying like part of his salary because of the sponsorship they have, but I'm not sure like how much or, or oh, really? what was like a real thing. Wasn't that like America supposed to pay part of his salary still too? Something like that. Like I don't know. Whatever Chivas is paying, I know for a fact it's too much. <laughs> Whatever. They say one dollar, too much. <laughs> um all right, so now, after the Monterrey game, uh, we were waiting for the uh, Santos game. That was the next night. They beat Mazatlan, I think, 4 or 5 mil. They moved up, I think, to 8th place. And uh, ultimately, Chivas is going to play Necaxa in the Repechaje round. I'm glad we ended in 7th because, you know, Luis, on the last podcast, I said I want the uh, narrative that Chivas needed 12 playoff spots to qualify. I didn't want that narrative to live. I can't believe they beat Monterrey to kill that narrative, but I'll take it. Not for sure. And who was it that was saying that? I feel like it was somebody was definitely going out. You tweeted about it, didn't you? 
It was probably the uh, uh Alvaro Morales. Yeah, the Alvaro Morales. It was probably him. I like feel like he, it was somebody else. He's like the one guy I hate. So there's a couple of clowns on Twitter. Well, I I tweeted I out people. like after the game ended, I was like, look, this narrative is dead. And then like the next day, I think somebody actually tweeted out like, I think it was him. He's like, uh, Chivas needed help from the referees, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's crazy. Didn't you read like these guys like tweet where it was like a, a full list of every jornada and like the ways in which the refs supposedly helped Chivas? <laughs> no, I don't even remember that. what I ate today for breakfast. And this guy who is an Americanista has this full list wow. of every single Chivas <laughs> match. I mean, that, that's dedication right there. I mean. That's I mean, crazy. That's crazy. You're an America fan, like reviewing Chivas plays. Like I don't, I don't review America. Plays. I don't even I don't... review Chivas plays, <laughs> as you can tell by the podcast. <laughs> when we talk about the Pumas game, I don't review that. I, I know on the Alexis Vega goal, there was like. Claims for an offside, but like I didn't, I didn't go back to watch it. Oh, I remember. And then even fans were adding. Yeah, it was Oribe offside, and people, even like people were in our mentions, like I hope they don't review that because that's offside. Andres Cantor, Andres Cantor. I don't know. He's not that he's the guy who's correct, but I I know on the broadcast he said that that the ball never got to Oribe, so it had like he was never really involved in that play. That he was offside, but that. You know what I mean? The play never got to him. Yeah, I, I didn't go back and review it because like, he was offside though when the was, play, when that play happened. Yeah, I was making the gift for the account, so I didn't see it. But yeah, like um, that's the play that uh, Alvaro Morales was talking about. He's like, you know, she was saved again by referees, but and then he even said though, but what Monterrey did was even more terrible. Like they were just trash those last ten minutes. Yeah, they just it just seemed like Monterrey just I don't know like they just gave up. Like they, like they thought they were gonna, like they thought, like the game was so easy for them that they thought they thought it was gonna end easily, and in a matter of minutes, it just got like completely switched on. Well, that that Janssen, that Johnson miss killed them. Oh, they would have went up. God. They would have went up two 0 and then I think Chivas would have just given up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Johnson was... miss killed them. That was huge. That's one of the worst misses I've ever seen. <laughs> that was bad. And like the bounce was super weird because it it landed like. Straight into Gudinho's hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, when it bounced off the pole. Yeah, yeah. That was that was almost as bad as uh, Oribe's Peralta's miss. When remember, I think it was against Tigres, and he was like in front of goal, and he somehow he put it wide. I think Oribe? I think it was against Tigres, but it's like one of the worst misses of all time. I don't remember. And everybody hated him even more after that. Oh, I will say that these past couple of weeks since he took over the starting role, Gudinho has done a decent job. Yes. Can't really. Can't. Really, nothing to really criticize him about. Yeah, the yeah goals... like even at the at the PKs, like he's trying to go and intimidate the the taker and everything. I think that he's kind of improved those little things that he got criticism about. Yeah, that I mean, especially PKs, he should do that because he's such a um, a tall goalie, so he has like so much reach. And um, who did he psych out? He psyched out somebody, right? That last guy, I forget his name. The guy with the weird hair. With the with the long was it a mullet? I don't yeah, I don't know. It's like. A mullet, dread, yeah, like dread mullet. Yeah, he then he scored like a couple minutes later. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean we're going into Repechaje seventh place, Necaxa's in tenth place. Um, the bad thing is the Necaxa kind of ended the season really well. They um, I think out of their last five matches, out of their last six matches, they got sixteen points. So sixteen out of eighteen Damn. points is pretty good. Sucks they're gonna have to lose, but man, that's pretty good. <laughs> but they did they did have like uh 
not great opponents. So look, they beat Atlas 1-0. They beat Tijuana 2-0. They beat Querétaro 1-0. They beat Toluca 3-2. And then they beat Pachuca 1-0. So there's not really anybody strong, I think, in those last games. Nah. But, you know, it's still, still, you're in form, you know, going to Rapachaga. So it could be a dangerous game. I think they, their new coach is Profe Cruz. So he's been, I don't know what he did, but he turned them around. Does there have to be a winner, or does Chivas pass through on a tie? I think no, it's straight to penalties. Straight. To oh, penalties. really? Oh shit! No overtime. Yeah, no. There, there is not like um, higher seeding takes the takes okay. the game. No, it's a straight to penalties. Oh wow! I, I don't know if there. I think there, there is overtime. overtime mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there is no. I hope there's overtime. That would suck if there wasn't. I hated when I think, I think it was uh. Damn, what cup was it? it was Copa No? They do no, that too the, now. Yeah, but there's some international cups. I think it's like uh, in South America or something. I don't know. They oh. do that too. And I hate it, man. I hate when they go straight to penalties. Yeah, because a team can just play for a team can just play for the for the tie, and it just sucks. Yeah, I mean that's how Chivas won their last championship. But yo, come on. <laughs> you know I told you to bring that up though. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, speaking of championship Chivas teams, uh, 2006, they ended with the same record as uh, this current Chivas team and went to Rebachaje, so well, lightning, lightning strike twice. I will say this. Um, I'm not worried about Nick Axa. I think we should we should beat Nick Axa. And then what happens after that when you, when you start facing the top four teams, it's a different story. But I will say that even looking at these recent games, Monterrey, the Pumas, the Cruz Azul, whichever ones we lost or tied or whatever, um, none of those top teams, like, I'm not scared of any of those teams. None of those teams impressed me enough uh, to where I'm worried. Maybe the game I think of for sure, I don't remember how the Leon game ended, you guys can tell me, but the Santos game at the beginning of the season. Well, Santos washed Chivas 3-0. And then... saying, Santos was the one game where I remember for sure hmm. like we got washed. The Leon game, I think, was nil-nil, but I remember Angel Mena missed like three clear goals that game. So what I'm saying yeah, is like, the MVP for Chivas. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he right. was the MVP for us. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but like when you look at Monterrey, even the America game, the Pumas. You said Pumas is second in the league. Cruz Azul has had like a great whole year. Uh, I'm not worried about. I hope we face Cruz Azul. To be honest, I hope we play Pumas because they lost Talavera, so they're gonna have oh, a backup goalie. I'm not worried. But I'm not, my point is, I'm not worried about any of them. It's, it's it's Ligia time. It's a whole new season. What happened in the regular season doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, just to talk about Santos real quick, that that was a team I really wanted to avoid because, oh, like, yeah, like you said, Luis, yeah. they, they completely destroyed us yeah. when we played them at uh, Torreon. And, yeah, that was bad. So I definitely didn't want to play them. And, I'll and say, they uh, ended the season really well, too. I think they got, like, 18 out of the last whatever points, too. And Leon and the season, the whole season, amazing. That's the team that, like, I hope somebody knocks out. If Chivas does make a deep run, I hope they <laughs> knock Leon out. out. Yeah. yeah, they're like, but they always bottle it too. They or it's they, probably set up. It's probably set up for JJ Macias to knock them out. Like he's been saving his goals for that moment. <laughs> Score like eight goals. Yeah. <laughs> no, Leon, Leon's the Atlanta Hawks of Liga MX. <laughs> they always make it. They never win. Like, nah, they won a couple. Well, yeah, but. Didn't they have like a historic season and then they just crashed out of the playoffs? Or they yeah. lost the final one of those? 
And I will I'm, say I'm though, this is this is what Wolf of Beach was brought in for the playoffs. Yeah. Let's 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 see if his experience uh, pans out. Yeah, and then you have you know the short term goal like at like the midpoint of the season where I gave up on Chivas playing well. It was just a make league, yeah. So that you gotta check it off. And, and we all uh, gotta play well to win. <laughs> <laughs> and just see what happens, I guess. You know. Now, now it's where we've reached the point. Like during the regular season, you want to play well, also you want to win. Yeah. But now we've reached the point where it's like we don't have to play well to be happy. <laughs> We can win the way we won against Monterrey and be happy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't care. <laughs> I checked the repechaje rules and it's straight to penalties. If no overtime? Wow. Damn, that sucks. So real quick, if we go to penalties, who are your five Chivas players that you want to, t- to kick? Alright. Who's um... our designated PK taker right now? Macias. No, it's not. Oh, right. Yeah, Macias. I remember Chelo was, was really good at Oh, them. yeah, he's really good at them. Oh, we got to sub him in last sub minute. Sub him in, yeah. now that you have five subs, mm-hmm. sub him in like so last Chelo, minute. definitely. Chelo, Macias. I feel like Macias You want miss, Macias to taking a PK? <laughs> I feel like he, he's going to He had early <laughs> season problems. I don't want him taking a PK. Um, I feel like one of the defenders. I feel like Iram Mier. Iram Mier, yeah. I was going to say Iram Mier. Oribe Ponce. <laughs> I like I like Bonsa, but I don't want I don't want him thinking of PK. Would you trust Oliva taking a penalty? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. I don't I know if I would trust him. If anything, I would trust, I would he has to be good at that. You think that's the one thing he's probably good at? Better, veteran, veteranship, you know, he probably has like the nerves of steel when it matters. Actually, no, you know you what you sold me. We're subbing in Cello and Oliva in the ninetieth minute. So we we're got subbing Cello, in Cello and Oliva in the ninetieth minute. Then we got Iramir, we got Jesus Molina. I okay. well I think Jesus Molina. Vega, you're not giving Vega a PK? Oh, Vega, no. Yeah, Vega. Vega. So who are we I'm leaving out? Tr- We're leaving out I'm, I'm Antuna. Antuna, I don't I'm trust not, either. I'm not trusting Antuna, they're too fast. <laughs> Beltran, I want to trust, but no, I'm, I'm scared like to trust. Missed. I feel like he missed. I feel like we had penalties against Benfica. Did we go to penalties in one of those preseason games? Yeah, I think. And I think yeah, Beltran somebody. Um, who else? So Chapo won't get a penalty. Sepulveda definitely won't get a penalty. He's probably good at them too. We don't even know it. <laughs> and then Ponce. I, I wouldn't give him a PK. Even though I think he is good at them. Ha- has he taken any? Yeah, remember when Almeida was coach? Like our center backs were like our best. Our defenders were like our best PK takers. Like Jair Pereira was like a beast. Um, Alanis was a beast. Like for some I reason. Even, ba- even, all the older guys. even like Basulto <laughs> was like a beast at PKs. All the older guys except for and then include Vega on that list. And Macias, I'm not I'm not confident with Macias. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine Macias is the fifth taker. And he misses misses it and we go home, he's gonna miss. The last thing we need. I feel confident with Gudinho at goal though. I'm I feel like he he has to at least get one. Block one at least. Just because he's so uh so long, pause. I will say, what's it called? The whole the whole home field advantage doesn't matter this really yeah, right? Yeah, I don't, even, I don't think so. Even the teams that allow fans in the stadiums, like it can't be enough to where it makes a difference. Are there other? Who are the teams that are allowing fans? I thought it was. I only know Mazatlan for sure. Are there other? Oh, are they the only ones? I don't know, Melissa. I, don't know. I only know Mazatlan. Was it like they were rumoring Puebla was going to? Oh yeah, but they don't even get a home game though. 
I think they're 12. I don't think anybody left. It's a, yeah, no. Is, like, considering putting fans in the stadium. I know Chivas definitely isn't. Remember when they thought they were going to have one for the Clásico Tabatillo? <laughs> yeah. When they said that, I was like, y'all are crazy. Definitely not happening. Yeah, we might start the next season with no fans. <laughs> the way, yeah, the way. I mean, USA is about to hit their freaking. Their peak again? Peak again, yeah. They just broke a record today. Crazy. And then, all right, so to wrap up the men, uh, MVPs for the season, I got Vega and Antuna. They redeemed, yeah. they redeemed themselves after uh, accidentally posting themselves drinking on uh, Antuna's birthday. Same. And it was crazy. Remember when that happened? Then they came back the next couple of games. And there was a point where they were involved almost in every goal, one, one or the other. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that to Melissa. Like, I forgot. Like, Melissa has, like, a really good um, goal database for the women's team. Uh-huh. But there's, I don't think there's anything like that for the men's team. But I, I like, I would want to see what percentage um, Vega and Antuna were involved. Because, I, I, yeah, at one point it was like 60% of Chivas' goals or something. Yeah, I would say the MVP is probably Alexis Vega. But our yeah. most dangerous player is Antuna. Yeah, I agree. His speed is, is what worries defense. And Alexis Vega is just, it's that hustle, man. It's, he doesn't, never give up. He plays the way you wish every player did. Yeah, I mean, he tweeted after, you know, he came back to the team and said, I can tweet a lot of stuff. He's like, I'm just going to do my talking on the pitch and came through. Um, yeah, they, they, got a, they got a good redemption narrative going on there. Yeah. That, maybe that's one positive thing for the uh, Amazon series. <laughs> the Vega and Antuna redemption story. The only one positive <laughs> thing for them. Gudinho. <laughs> Iramir had a good season too. Walton had a good season. Yeah, right. <laughs> he got benched and won his job because of injuries. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Gudinho. Hold on, this is mad random. This has nothing to do with anything, but I, I'm on Twitter and Wiso Vasquez tweet. I just played Maria Sanchez at FIFA and she destroyed me 3 0. <laughs> and someone said, Have you ever considered getting good at FIFA? <laughs> Oh, we should challenge. We should challenge her, Melissa, to FIFA. Yeah, I have. I had already heard that she was really good. At yeah, FIFA. apparently she's really good. Yeah. You want me to play her? I'll play her. I think she's I'm on really, really PS4. Good, I go borrow PS4. <laughs> I can beat her. Nah, for sure I can beat her. <laughs> I wish they got. I wish you guys did. I, I wish they did one of those little uh, Liga MX English tournaments again. Uh, the one that we got embarrassed in, below in Rigo. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, this FIFA man, I've gotten really good at this FIFA. It's, it's, it's been a lot of raging involved, but I've gotten really good at it. Um, all right, we can move on to the second part of this podcast: the Chivas feminine team. The positive side. The positive side. Yep. Uh, like I said when we started, Melissa, we've missed like six games because the Liga MX feminine scheduling is uh, not very Sweet. good. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised there aren't any more players injured after. Yeah, like, that's with true. That really bad scheduling. I remember at the at the beginning of the season, someone like checked the number of days between matches, and I think that Leon were the ones who had like a more even schedule. But still, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, considering the conditions that some of the teams travel, like Cruz Azul traveled to Mazatlan by bus, and they did like 15 hours on a bus, and then. Went to play. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, Cruz Azul lost that game, and you you have to imagine they had to like 
that trip definitely affected them. Because Mazatlan is like, um, what aren't they like one of the bottom tier teams in the in the league? Um, they're currently ranked. I think they're like in ninth though. Yeah, I mean they they did like considering it's their first season. I think that they did pretty well because I mean they also grabbed like a ton of experienced players, so it wasn't like they they were starting completely from scratch. Yeah, are um are the top eight Liga MX team Liga MX feminine teams are they all already qualified for um what's it called for a liguilla? I think Mazatlan still Mazatlan can still make it. I think they have like it's a game in hand, right? Yeah, I mean they have everybody has like two games left, and Mazatlan is like four points away from Pachuca. We say. So they they could theoretically still still make it. Yeah, Chivas is already qualified. Um, they currently sit at second. second. Yep. Pachuca or Pumas would have to lose both games to give Mazatlán a chance. Even Querétaro. Okay, so that's yeah, good. I guess any of those still three teams twice to fight give Mazatlán a chance. Okay, but yeah, Chivas is in second place. Um, Melissa, last time we recorded, we were. In a very good mood because they had just been Rayadas 4-2. And then they came out against Atlas. And uh, credit to Atlas and, and their coach because they had like the perfect game plan and executed it perfectly. Wait, they, you guys haven't recorded since then? Yeah, because there was like three games that week too. Nah, or no, there was a FIFA break. Um, yeah, there then, were three games. FIFA break and then three games. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the game where... Um, the Atlas game is the game where uh, Amy came on the podcast and gave the team bad luck. Yeah, she jinxed us. She came on the podcast before the Atlas game. <laughs> so no more having Amy on the podcast. Sorry, I'm just of the show. <laughs> Ali's still invited, but you can't be on the show. Um, yeah, the Chivas lost 3-0 to Atlas. Um, I think that that was like a scary, scary game going into the rest of the tournament for me because... I thought Atlas just laid the groundwork and, you know, they, 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 they laid the blueprint for other teams to follow and try to beat Chivas. We know that the low block and the, like the high pressure kind of really gets to Chivas. But, um, luckily they came, they bounced back right after they beat Leon in, uh, an imaginary game that we cannot confirm <laughs> happened, right, Melissa? <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we only have like the the refs report, and that's like to confirm what happened. And some really really sketchy videos that have like twenty pixels of resolution to <laughs> to have evidence of that, that 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 game actually was played. So yeah, Luis, uh, I was saying the the cameras that they use for that game, they're like the the cameras that like all the bodegas have, where like you get robbed and you have like a camera, but it's like I still can't tell who robbed you. Like, yes, the banks have that too. Yeah, think banks would like upgrade their stuff, their cameras. Well. <laughs> like, have you seen this person? It's just like a blurry image. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you know Chivas then tied with San Luis two two. They beat Pachuca two one. They beat Tijuana three nil. And then they beat Puebla 5-0. So slowly but surely they got back into rhythm and are back on winning track. At one point they had dropped the fourth place, but now they are back in second place behind only Tigres. Yeah, and I think that there's still like um, theoretically a chance that they could end in first. Mm -hmm. Because they are... 
five points. They're like five points yeah. away from from Tigres. I mean, it, it would be really really hard, but I I still think that if they end up anywhere between second and and fourth place, that's going to be like a fantastic finish for them. I mean, it's possible because Tigres plays Monterrey. Yeah, I was about to say they play Rayada. So if Rayadas beats Tigres, yeah, Chivas can win out since they have the game against Tigres too in hand. It's possible. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun two last coordinadas because all of the strongest teams are facing each other. Yeah. So there's like, going to be like tons of drama in there. It's like a lot of playoff previews. Damn, and Monterrey plays Atlas last, the last game of the season. So it's all literally the, the top four to five teams playing each other. I, I wonder how much Shorty's going to want to show in these last two games. You think he kind of just like. Man, you got, you got to make it back a little. Like, like doesn't want to show statement. much. Yeah, I think he's he's going to go all in. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure about Tigres. If Tigres is going to rest some of their players, but yeah, I think that that what we we've been seeing from Chore is that he's like I think that he's basically found his his starting eleven, mm-hmm. and I think that he's going to to try and hold on to that. Maybe maybe try a few variations, but and throw in his legendary triple subs <laughs> death. But other than that, I I don't really see. I don't see him like not going all in for these games. I mean, it doesn't feel like like who Chore is as a coach. I'll say the team play is so like it plays an attractive way. It's an exciting way of playing. It's like why not? Why not go for it? Why pull the team back or or be a little hesitant? Nah, go for it. And if it works out, it's gonna look great. It's gonna be great for him. And if not, then he knows what he has to work on for the playoffs. Yeah, I I guess they they can definitely go for the first seed then. Um, I know Melissa, you you bring up the triple substitution of death. I know after the San Luis game, you were you were really pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was so angry because they were winning like two one, and then mm-hmm. he just drops three subs at like the seventy fifth minute, and then let the team started to look a bit shaky. But the main problem was that Isabella Gutierrez got injured and he ran out of subs, so they had to play with. 10 players, and that's when, when San Luis scored to to get the draw. So, yeah, I mean, I was really angry at Chore because it kind of felt like like a rookie mistake. I mean, yeah, I know that maybe you feel like you have control, but especially, like, going towards the yeah, I mean, you, you want to keep that that sub as a, as a backup in case anything happens because you don't know what, what can happen. Yeah, and those, those two points that we lost out on that game are huge now because, you know, they're five points behind Tigres could have been three so that was that hurt that day um where does what's a call stand because I haven't watched since the Atlas game so I'm wondering like where does Licha stand in the in the goal scoring or Maria Sanchez with the assists I did see I will say in that Atlas game like I felt like the pressure got to uh what's her name Licha like the nerves got to her uh but but that's normal. Mm-hmm. I seen I seen a couple of the plays you post where Nicole Perez gives you beautiful balls across the field. Yo, she's a beast, dude. Actually, kind of like what Alexis Vega did the other day. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, really a good. Goals from her. Yeah, that I forget what goal it was the other day that um she didn't get she it wasn't an assist she got like no, the no, the no. hockey assist. Right, she got but the play up. I made a point to tweet out from starting from that play because usually what teams do is they just tweet out the assist the and the goal. Yeah. So I was like, and then luckily they also did it. So I, I was like, I just wasted my time clipping it. But 
um, I had to get in that Nicole Perez pass. Like, it was such a great pass to Justin Montoya and then the cross to, I think it was Licha that finished it. But that play, like, that was just, like, an example. And um, I wanted to talk, I wanted Melissa's, like, opinion on it. Like, Carolina Jaramillo and Nicole Perez are kind of really stepping up. And, you know, when you put out the chart of the, like, gold Let- contributions and stuff, like, it was pretty obvious. They, they, they're pretty involved in um, build up and even assist and goal scoring. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the, the first issues Chore ran into was that they were relying too much on, on Maria and Licha. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what Fernando Samayoa, Atlas's coach, exploited. Like, like, he even said it. Like, I knew that the key was neutralizing Maria and Licha, and that's what I needed to do, and that's what the team executed really well. So I think that after that, um, we started to see, like, Caro Jaramillo really step in and start contributing more. And, I mean, Nicole Perez is also having a fantastic season. I mean, I think that she's, like, uh, at her best level I've seen yet. And that's that's a really great thing, that we're seeing these goals, but it's always, like, a team effort. Like, everybody's at their best, but they are, like, trying to, to, to make the best decisions to, to set their teammates up so that they can score if they need to. So I think that's kind of like the one of the really important points. I mean, we went from from just Licha and Maria to having like what, what I said that was a fantastic four, which has was which is Jaramillo, Nicole Perez, uh, Licha and Maria. Like all of them, they're like really doing well. So I think that kind of balanced up the attack. And I think that if you see like the way Chivas is set up now, their left side. I mean, our left back is Andrea Sanchez, who is like a national team player. And then on the wing, you have Maria Sanchez, who's also like national team player. So I think that's like a really strong left side. But then on the on the right, I think that also getting Jocelyn Montoya back and fit was really important to kind of also balance things out because she, she does all these runs and she can like shake off defenders. So I think that the team has found the balance that they didn't have and that they really needed. Yeah, I was kind of surprised Justin Montoya just got the, uh, like, she got plugged back in right away. I thought um, Norma was going to hold on to the spot. But um, she's been doing well, too. Like, she has assists and goals. She scored that great goal against, uh, was it Pachuca? Yeah. Yeah, she scored, yeah, like, a really nice goal. So, yeah, she's fitting right back in. Um, I know we were talking about Licha. You know, she went through, like, a little a little mini goal drought, like a four game four games without scoring. Um, you know, at one point, I I could kind of see it like build the the frustration building up, like she was going into challenges a little harder than I think she should have been going into them. Um, and you know, even in the San Luis game, Melissa, remember she got uh, she scored a goal, but it got called back offsides. Yeah, she had like two or three matches where where she scored and it got disallowed, and I think that also started getting like into her head a little bit because you're kind of starting to doubt. Your, yeah. your decision-making. But I think that something that's credit to to Licha is that even if she has acknowledged that she's like a very impatient person, she said that in interviews, then even when she looks like really desperate to score, she always seems to have like that space of mind to figure out when she needs to pass the ball. So it's kind of interesting to, to see that. I mean, it's not that she wants to keep all the balls to herself and, and try to finish them all. I mean, she always has like that 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 moment of clarity to say, okay, I need to pass it to someone else. So I think that's great. And that's also something that, that really makes her stand out. And, and you see that 
even if she was like trying to score and, and maybe not in the best state of mind, she is always like on the play. With the, I think it was with the Montoya goal or one of the goals against Pachuca, you see that she she starts moving because she knows that she's offside. So she makes sure that that she can that she makes the move that she needs to make so that her teammates can score. So she's never like off of the of the play, or she's never like you you never catch her really distracted in the, in that sense. Yeah, um, I think it was I think it was a Carolina Jaramillo goal where she moved out of the way because she knew she could have caused her to be offside or something like that. What else happened in these last six games for Chivas? Uh, Norma Palafox is now. The leading goal scorer for Chivas Feminine? Yeah, she now has 21 goals, 22, I think. Yeah, I think that she has 22 now. But yeah, I mean, she, she beat the record and she's now like part of, of the club's history. And that's the, like the funny thing with Chivas. Like you see the top scoring record in other clubs and it's like the Ciremos device with 80 goals and then like yeah. Daniel Espinosa with like 50. And Chivas, they have never really been like either super high scoring but it's also always been like that that team effort like we we've never had like a, a center forward that can score like 15 goals in a season so that's never been like Chivas style and i think that's why partly like Licha has kind of helped the club a lot because she's like that missing piece that we have never been able to find like that that center forward that can deliver that many goals in a season but yeah i mean i think that Norma is quietly, like, maybe building a really good case for herself. I mean, I think that she's having, like, a pretty good season. Mm, before the the Puebla game, she had scored, like, 11% of all the team's goals. So, I mean, she's really contributing. And I think that partly the thing with Norma is that people kind of brush her off because, like, you know, because of her social media presence and all that. Yeah. So they kind of think that... She hasn't done really much. But I think that she's having a great season. I mean, I think that she's starting to recover that touch on the ball that she needed and that timing that she she had missed because of the exathlon thing. Because, I mean, she's always been fit, but she needed like that to find that pace again. I think that she's recovering that. And I think that she's, she's still like important to the team in that sense. So I think that she's having like a pretty good season. And like I know that she's going to be like that player that Maybe we can count on to enter in as a sub during mm-hmm. the Gia and like try to turn things around if the, if it's needed. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, it looks like Justin Montoya has the right wing position locked on lock, so Norma's gonna be that player that you know is gonna come off the bench and say Chivas does need some offense offensive life. Um, she could definitely come in and make a make a difference in the Gia, especially late because she has that speed, she has a the touch, and you know she's a pretty good passer and obviously can score goals. Yeah, I mean, especially considering the fact that Yashira Barrientos is injured and mm-hmm. like Evelyn Gonzalez is injured, so kind of like all those subs that we have on attack, they are, they are injured right now. So she's, we're going to have to rely on her and also on on Annette Vasquez, who scored against Puebla. Yeah, it was. I, I saw a tweet like said um, it's the first time she has scored. I think in maybe maybe a year. I think it had been a while, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, coaches were, weren't really giving her minutes. And I was starting to worry because she's like a consistent U20 mm-hmm. national team player. And I was starting to worry that if, if she wasn't starting to fit in there, then she might go somewhere else. And I kind of expected her to, to get some more time 
on the pitch last season because I think that she did really well on the World Cup qualifiers. I mean, even though she hadn't been playing, whenever she got in with the national team, she delivered. So I was expecting maybe Coach Villa to realize that she could be like a real option. But then like COVID happened and everything. So I think that she's also kind of found a way to fit in in Chore's system. And like she's been getting like 20 or 30 minutes each match. And I think that she's doing really well. So I think that she's also like an option. Like I said, she's really young. So she still has like room to grow. So I, so I'm, I'm really glad to see like she was really bringing her back in because she's like an interesting talent. Yeah, she got she got a goal against Puebla, and I feel like in Tijuana she had like one or two chances where she could have scored. So like she's she's making her presence known when she's on the pitch, which is definitely good. Um, I like I laugh every time that the commentators um they don't want to call her by her self-proclaimed nickname. They feel bad. <laughs> yeah, they kind of skirt around that. <laughs> they don't want to call her uh, La Rata, but she she wants it. Like, <laughs> I think her Instagram or whatever her TikTok, I think is like Ana La Rata Vasquez or something. I was like, it's like all right. <laughs> that was like yeah, when but... Chofis had that. Remember the whole thing? He didn't want to be called Chofis, but that was his name on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not a Chofis case, right? No, he he just didn't like that. Like. <laughs> He never claimed that. Yeah, but that I mean, nickname. if Anette is, is asking and like she wants, yeah, to call like that, I mean, I, I don't really see the problem. I mean, if it comes from the player, then it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's funny. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah but that she's been called like that for a while. I mean, so it's not like she just came up with that. It's been around like for a while now. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think who who did it? It was like Alicia and. Uh... I think Licha and Maria Sanchez, like a double interview, and they were asking them, like, who was the pranksters of the locker room. And, and they said they, La Rata. Yeah, they're like La Rata, and the, now the, I forget who the interviewer was, and she's like, she's like, who's that? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I never asked it. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, what else about, oh, Licha and the sports psychologist, uh, Melissa. We saw that on Instagram. That was big. Yeah, she posted about seeing a sports psychologist, which, I mean, I think it's great because if she already had acknowledged, like, okay, I'm not the, the most patient person on the pitch. And, like, just for her to to do it and then to be open about it, I think that it's it's really, like, good on her part because it's kind of, like, also, like, normalizing this. Mm-hmm. Like, if you need help and, and you, you, you go and seek it, like, it's okay. And it's, and it's like, it's necessary and it's not it's not, like, a bad thing. And it's also funny because I remember that one time Cardoso mentioned that Pulido was seeing a sports psychologist. And then, like, everybody started mocking Pulido for that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that also, I mean, it was also, like, bad on Cardoso's part because I think it's completely up to the player. Like, if they want to disclose that information, like, it's up to them. And, and like, I think that it was, like, really bad for him from Cardoso to, to like expose him like that. But yeah, I mean, Licha was open about it and I think that it, it kind of helped her because she looked like really, I think she looked like more calm and I think that also like might have helped like when it was like the 4-0 at, at Puebla and there was like the penalty kick coming and, and I think that everybody expected like Licha to, to take it for, for the golden boot race. But then it was like Andrea Sanchez who who took the penalty kick, and I think that that also kind of like 
speaks about her as a player, but also about like the chemistry and the trust the team has because they are not pressuring her to do something if she's not comfortable doing it. And like they are all just like oriented to, towards fulfilling the goals for the for the team and not thinking about you know Licha being the the golden boot. So I think that maybe also like the environment. And the good chemistry the team has shown is is kind of like helping her to like to feel more comfortable even if she's not scoring. And like I said, I mean we cannot just judge Licha just of her scoring goals. I mean I think that even if she isn't scoring, she's still providing so much for the team that it's kind of like valid and expected for her to keep starting even if she isn't like maybe scoring three games each match. Yeah, I think any time a player promotes like mental health, it's um. It's like really important. I know um, Chofi's also earlier in the season had talked about seeing a sports psychologist. Um, it's unfortunate how things played out for him, but you know he did he did make that you know public and that was good. I know in other sports, um, like you know Luis Dak Prescott for the Cowboys um, yeah. talked about it, and then there was that really I, there was that really she cool. Done it forever. Yeah, I feel like since Vergara's been there, there's been a lot of situations. I feel like at one time he sent most of the team. To like Colombia, remember? The yeah, Columbia shrink. Yeah, but, so it's always but been back a thing, then. But... It was kind of like a like a mockery, like you know, That's it was like insane. it was like a joke, like oh look at Chivas sending their players to the Colombian shrink, like and now yeah. like it's like that probably was good for them. Right, I was gonna say well, Melissa brings up a good point. Is in those situations the club let us know who went or what happened to these players. It wasn't necessarily like the players that came out and admitted to it, and maybe. And maybe by the club doing it, maybe it made them in a sort of way feel embarrassed about the situation, you know, yeah. that they're seeking some sort of mental health. Um, and in this situation, Mika's the one that's coming out and 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 letting the world know what's happening. So it's so it's a better case for her. Um, so yeah, it's good that she she's promoting it. And because no player no player should feel embarrassed if you need any type of psychologist or any type of help. Yeah, and I, yeah, I feel like even. Like- well, and there's sorry, a lot of sorry, pressure. Sorry. They go through a lot of pressure, and 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 even Licha. Maybe there's a point she was getting, she was feeling herself too much. I mean, she was cocky, talking about her former teams. Um, <laughs> so it's good, you know, ground yourself a little bit, and 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 set and sell her. Put put your eyes on the real prize, which is the title. Yeah, I mean, she preaches it in like a lot of interviews where they ask her like, "Would would you want the golden boot or win a trophy with Chivas?" and like no hesitation ever. She's like, "Trophy with Chivas is the ultimate goal. Like that's the dream. Like, the golden boot would be nice, but the dream is the the trophy with Chivas." Yeah, and I think that kind of like part of Mexican culture is that we're mm-hmm. not the best at promoting like mental health. I remember that there was something like with with Hugo Sanchez when he was going to the Preolimpico, and the and I think that the federation offered him like a sports psychologist for for the group because you know this is. 20, U23, so you you have like really young players and it's a lot of pressure. And they told him like there's this sports psychologist and we can take him for the team if you want to. And then he said, oh no, we don't we don't need that. I mean, after we qualify, then maybe they can go and see him. And they they didn't qualify. <laughs> so it's kind of like this general maybe cultural attitude towards. So I mean, I I don't need that. Like I'm strong enough. I don't need a, a psychologist or I don't need therapy. I don't, I don't need those things. Yeah, they they get. It's, it's it's always good when they're promoting mental health. Um, and there are so many examples of like players that are young, like you said, and they crash out. Like I know it recently came out. Um, 
I never know how to say his name. Um, he's a German player, Scherl, I think, who played for Chelsea, and he came out. He played that, for Dortmund also, I think. Yeah, he played for like uh, a bunch of teams, but um, he said that it took him so long to mentally recover from being coached by Mourinho because Mourinho would just like, like mentally, psychologically, just like tore him apart. And he said it took him like years to recover from that. And like, so like, yeah, like we we criticize players and stuff, but you know, there's always you always got to keep like that mental health thing in the back of your head. Like that's why, like when we were doing the Messi thing, I was like, ah. Are we going a little too far? But <laughs> like I'm looking at, a, I'm looking at an article from 2011, and the five players that they talked about they sent was Michel, Omar Arellano, Chicharito Hernandez. Um, was Google part of it? Google Torres, yeah. Part of it. Marco Fabian, especially after um, his brother passed away. Um, so it's something that the Vargadas have probably always been been pushing for. It's it's nice to see that. What's it called? Amaury continuing that. Yeah, it, but yeah, like I said, like back then, unfortunately, that was like right. it was like all jokes on networks and stuff. Like, but uh, I'm glad we're making progress, especially in Mexico. Like, because like Melissa said, you know, it's like there's like a stigma to to saying you know you have mental health issues, and, but um, it's always good to get to get help. Um, what else? With Chivas Femenil, Chivas Femenil has two games left. Melissa, we got America in the Super Clasico, and then they finish the season off against Tigres. Both are classical for me. I mean, <laughs> against America, obviously, because of, of club history. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think that they have been building, like, a legacy of their own for, for it to be called a Clásico. Like, um, I know that because of the group system, like, Chivas and America weren't able to face each other, like, on regular season. But on their title run, um, they faced America in, in Liguilla, and they beat them. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of was, like, the first instance of, of of this like being a really emotional game and then they had like the last time they made to Liguilla America knocked them out so I mean it it has like that that extra flavor because yeah I mean it's it's an inherited classical in a way from the men but it kind of also has that weight of the and I think coming in that's also going to be important because the team's going to be thinking about that time that America knocked them out in the quarterfinals in Liguilla. And I mean, I, I remember because I was at, at the first leg that was at the Akron. I went to that match and it was kind of like a weird game because it was the day that Jorge Vergara passed away. Oh, yeah. So it, there was kind of like a weird mood already in the stadium. And like, I know that that Jorge Vergara was also kind of close to the women's team. Like a lot of the players knew him. So I think that that also must have like waited on them and and the team looked like completely different from their usual self. I mean this was a team that had beaten America for two on regular season and here they were like completely overpowered. And I remember the first America goal, it was like a mistake that Miriam Garcia made and that like she admitted that that mistake hit her really hard later. And it's one of those plays when you're in the stadium and you kind of even see it like in slow motion and you know it's going to end badly. So, yeah, I mean, nothing worked for them that day. And, like, even Tania Morales, who, who is normally, like, a very... Even though we know she's she's a leader and the captain, she tends to be, like, really quiet on social media. Like, even she made a statement, and she said, I know that we didn't give our best, but we're going to give our best on the on the second leg, and we need to do this for, for Jorge and everything. But still, it wasn't enough. So I know that they're going to want to 
to take some some bit of revenge from that. And I do think that they have the edge here because America hasn't been performing that well. They've been getting like a lot of injuries and like players yeah. with COVID and stuff. So they are America is coming in from a zero zero draw, I think. Yeah, against Querétaro, which Querétaro is also building like a case for them during Liguilla. But yeah, I mean, I think that right now Chivas have the upper hand in terms of performance. And I think that they, they should be expected to win this one. I mean, still one of the strongest things uh, America has right now is their goalkeepers. I mean, Heidi Gutierrez is injured, but they have been fielding Renata Mascherelli, which funnily enough, she's a Chivas product. She was uh, she was a Chivas developed player and then she left for, for college in the States. I, I think that she did ask when, when she graduated to come to Chivas, but they, they, there wasn't like a space for her, so she went to America. And I do think that goalkeeping, goalkeeping for America is strong. I mean, they also have like Jocelyn Orejel, who is like a fantastic national team defender, but they don't seem to be like at their strongest right now. So yeah, I mean, I would expect Chivas to to win this one and and I don't know, maybe it's also going to be like maybe a motivation for Licha because it's going to be like her first Clásico Nacional with Chivas. So hopefully that motivates her and she can like get back to scoring goals again. Is that game getting televised? Yeah, it's who's a, the home it's game? Who's the home? Who's home? Oh, okay, so it's on Telemundo on the app. Yeah, both Clásicos were going to be at home for Chivas, so so you. Oh, nice. To get Telemundo. Yeah. Chivas America game, or Luis, it's actually going to be on uh, NBC Universal. That's Monday, Monday 8 o'clock. Yeah, they're going to broadcast oh, it live, yeah. which is pretty cool. That's why that's okay. I put in the outline. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, yeah Melissa, I, I watched, I forget what America game I watched, but um, I think it was a game that, uh, that uh, what's her last name, Manashelli? Manashelli, uh, yeah. America goalie. Yeah, I watched, she's, she's good. I think, yeah, I forget what good. game. I forget who they played, but they were supposed to get like blown out, and they only lost I think one nil because she was like covering everything. So I hope I hope she doesn't pull that on Monday. Yeah, I kind of feel feel happy for her because like I know that she's a Chivas developed player and like she's a really nice person. I just <laughs> hope that she doesn't show up on that form against Chivas. Yeah, and also like she was on the bench for a for a long while, so it's kind of cool to see her get her chance to shine. But yeah, I mean, I think that Chivas have the edge here and they really need to to make that statement and say, okay, we're going to beat America. And that's what, if they they pull it off, I mean, it's also going to be like a nice confidence boost. Thinking of like that, that Liguilla loss, like that must still be on their heads a bit. Yeah, and you know, Shorty with the Chivas DNA, you know he's going to want to win that game. And then, you know, we close against Tigres, who, um, I don't know, I was a... Uh, texting in the discord the the other day in the in the colorful kid discord and we were talking about how strong Tigres was because i had watched the game they who they just beat they beat um atlas right yeah they beat atlas yeah and everybody was expecting atlas to to show to put up a fight yeah and i put it in the discord i was like who's gonna stop Tigres? like there's nothing i don't know if chivas can how they match up and then they came out that uh atlas players had covid I was like, well, Tigres players might have COVID now too. <laughs> like, I don't want them to have COVID, but I was like, did I just jinx Tigres? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because from the Regio teams, I feel like 
Tigres matches up better against Chivas, even though they are like arguably stronger. And like matches against Tigres, for me, like they are they are clásicos because they're really intense matches. And and I mean intense in terms of of like the level of play and what they bring in each other. And also because they have literally gotten into fights between Tigres and Chivas. Like the first big Liga MX Femenil Brawl was at a Tigres against Chivas. Like <laughs> Tania Morales got, got a red card because she was uh, fighting, I think it was Belén Cruz. And then there was like this big, big fight between Andrea Sanchez and Lisbeth Ovalle, where I think that Andrea sweeps Ovalle and then Ovalle brings her down to the ground and like it was crazy. Like it was like a real fight. Like Andrea Sanchez was about to kick Ovalle's face. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. So, I mean, these are matches that, that get really intense because they have, like, all this history and this bad blood. And also Ruby Soto got up into hot water with them because she said that they were, like, they were, like, very, very stuck up, very alzadas. And she said, like, yeah, they have all these national team players, but, no, Chivas are also good and, like, they're really stuck up and really arrogant. And that's why Tigres fans hated Ruby. And then Ruby, I think that... that that game, she went and scored two two goals on on Tigres as a stadium. So I mean, this this is like intense for me. It's one of the one of the games I, I really look forward because even when Chivas have been like at their worst seasons, they always put up a fight against Tigres. Like they always score at least one goal against them. So I think that's going to be like fireworks and and like for me, it's going to be like the best test that that they can get before Liguilla, I mean, because, yeah, I mean, like you said, Tigres are the strongest team, and they're, like, the gold standard, and if Chivas can put up a fight and show up that, that they can that they can stay up with them, I mean, I think it's going to be also, like, a, a good boost for them, and even if, like, like Luis was saying, if they lose, they're going to know what they need to fix for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was the last point I wanted to make? Oh, um, Kati Martinez, is that 15 goals and Alicia Cervantes is at 12. Do you think Licha can overcome her? I know Tigres has tough opponents, which is that's the good part. But, I mean, we also have tough opponents. I mean, I think that if Licha can, can score a few goals against America, I think that's going to to really help her. I mean, maybe if, she, if she's able to get like two or three against America... And then maybe score one against Tigres, that would be like really great. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough for her to to move up in the Golden Boot race. But yeah, I mean, part of the of the good and bad part is that all of them are facing, like even Alison Gonzalez from Atlas, yeah. they're all facing like really tough teams right at the end. So we will see who's in the best form. But I mean, also like what what we've been saying, Licha's focus kind of seems to be in helping the team rather than chasing the Golden Boot. So. I don't know, maybe, like, all the work she's been doing, like, psychologically will help her, like, feel more free when, yeah, it, mean, com when it comes to scoring. Yeah. I mean, it would still be nice for her to win the Golden Boot, and, you know, it'd be cool if they go into the Chivas Negro game tied up with goals. That would just add, like, another element to the to the game itself. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think that we should link to the... To the Andrea Sanchez Ovalle fight, so that <laughs> people who who didn't see it because it was like on the first few seasons, so maybe people haven't seen that yet. But yeah, I mean, 
it, it's tough. I mean, those are like real brawls. I mean, I also remember that's when Melissa Sosa got punched in the face by one of the Tigres players. Damn. Yeah, I mean, Melissa Sosa just like, she's like six feet tall and the Tigres player is like one foot shorter than her and she still got punched in the face. And then I remembered like the commentators didn't because it was this was at, at Tigres Stadium, so I was <laughs> watching on their stream. And the commentators were like, I mean, I don't know how did that Chivas player got hit. I mean, maybe she fell. And like they were basically saying the grass punched her. And yeah, that was nuts because she got hit in the eye and then like the ref didn't see it. But I think that the disciplinary commission gave a red card after the match to, to that, that Tigres player. But yeah, I mean, that's how intense it gets. Like players are going to, to be left with black eyes and red cards so it's going to be fun damn i just i just hope michelle gonzalez doesn't take another hit again <laughs> she took like her second hit of the season um i forget what game it was she got like a she, she took a shot to the face yeah she's been hit on the face a few times like, yeah it sucks <laughs> yeah she's our melissa sosa of this season because melissa sosa was also like really prone to getting hit <laughs> in the head like she fainted on that Tigres match i'm starting to remember that Oh, shit. She kept on playing and like she, the, the match was so intense that she just like fainted mid match because of the effort. Oh yeah, you did. You brought you brought that up when we 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 uh we brought up the concussion protocol. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah, but that's how intense things get. So so yeah, I mean, it it's also like we're going to see if maybe Tigres will will throw in like a some sub some substitutes to not use their their best players, but also like. Yeah, it's kind of maybe fun when matches go crazy like that. But it's also something that Chivas needs to keep an eye on because if you get like a red card yeah. for one of our key players, that's going to be a problem heading into Liguilla because it's like the last match of the season. And like we know that, that Licha doesn't back off from fights, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's also going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I hope that, that they can like stay calm and, and don't fall into that game. Like not, not fall into that kind of kind of thing because yeah i mean getting red cards at this stage is very dangerous yeah i just realized that the america and the Tigres game are just four days apart they're part of the same week again two games in a week so crazy yeah and that's something that chore mentioned like after the the puebla game because they were talking about the heat and, and how the players were handling playing in the heat and also like three matches in a week and he did say, like, I have the best uh, physical trainer in Mexico, so I'm not worried about that. So we'll see how the team holds up, like, in this final stretch and in Liguilla. But, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I don't know the, the injuries that we've been having, how related they could be to, to physical to the physical trainer's work. But I do think that, that he, he must be, like, a, a really good, uh, good at his job. I mean, if Chori is saying that, it, it didn't feel like he was just saying it like lightly or anything. Yeah, so Chivas America Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That game will be on NBC Universal. Make sure to check that out. And I'm looking at our Twitter and we just got a shout out from Maria Sanchez from uh, Mex Nation since we go uh, weasels down there with uh, Maria Sanchez and Janelli Farias. That's pretty cool. But, um, We'll be back next week, I think. Uh, we could probably record quick, Melissa, after the, the uh, America game. Yeah, we're not letting nine games go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> it's 
it'll be something quick, especially because the turnaround again is so quick, four days. But um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, maybe we'll re- record something for the men's team. Um, I know there's a two week break, another FIFA break. This could be our time to, to get to finally get somebody in. <laughs> get a guest on the pod. Get a guest that we've been <laughs> trying to get on. Maybe um, we'll get Walter or somebody. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe some off the field Chivas talk. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. We are Chivas the Note the podcast, and we are out. Peace.